You're listening to a presentation of The Rising. We're a real church for real people where you can belong before you believe. We're always honored to hear how God is working in your life through this ministry. If you have a story you'd like to share with us, hit us up at wearetherising.com or on Facebook or Instagram. Finally, if you'd like to invest in what God's doing through this church, you can always give online through our site. Thanks again for tuning in and get ready. Lean forward with an expectant attitude to hear a message from God's Word. Hey, you started, you started my timer in the back. Can you start it back? I'm not, I'm, this, my time has not officially started yet, okay? They're trying to rob me of time. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But um, man, it's so, it's so great to be back. I'm so excited. I've missed this place. I've missed... I've missed you guys, and uh, it was really cool being back and, and seeing so many of you and laughing and uh, talking to you for a little bit. And one of the things that I really love, this, this, this is so random, it's not part of my sermon, but when we sing that song, Not Today, how many of you guys like that song? You guys like that song? Some yeah. of you? Okay, good. Uh, more of you need to like it. But um, no, I love it because I have, whenever we sing that song, it makes me think of our worship leader, Morgan, when she talked about it one time, and she was up here, and she was like, and tell the devil, not today, Satan. And, and the way she said it was so, and so we bring it up to her every once in a while. Next time you see Morgan, and, and you can't miss her, she has a great smile. Next time you see Morgan, just tell her, not today, Satan. She will love you for eternity. So just make sure to, to let her know. But, but, but like I said, it's really great for me to be back. And uh, enough of the, the welcoming and all that stuff. You guys ready for a sermon? Yeah. All right, let's do it. All right, how about the rest of you? Are you guys ready for a sermon? <laughs> Good. I wonder, um, I wonder if there's been a time in your life where you just had this moment of resolve, right? Like you drew a line in the sand, you, you stuck this stake in the ground, and you say, today is the day everything is changing. I resolve to be different because of this, right? Like, like maybe for you, you, uh, you walked up a flight of stairs, and you were out of breath, and, and you thought... What in the world is wrong with me? I am too young to be out of breath like this. And it was in that moment you said, that's it, I'm done. I'm resolving to get in shape. And so you joined a gym, you hung out with some people who looked pretty fit, and you were like, can you teach me some stuff? And you got on a meal plan, you, you quit drinking, and, and you just started living differently. And here you are a year later, 40 pounds lighter. Right? There was this moment of resolve. Or maybe, maybe there was this time that, that you were in your house and you were tired of walking around stuff and trying to find stuff you couldn't find. And you just had this epiphany because you watched Marie Kondo's tidying up and you said, that's it. I'm getting rid of the clutter. No more am I hoarding. And so you threw out some stuff. You donated some stuff. You sold some stuff. Nobody wanted to buy your crap. So you had to give it away or take it to the thrift store. And then because Ikea is just down the road, you went and got some Swedish storage solutions for your house. And now, like, everything is tidy. You have this moment of resolve. That's it. No more. I'm done. Things are changing. Maybe, maybe for you, it was, it was this time that you got in an argument with your wife. And, and things, things weren't good. And you just said, that's it. Like, like, you had this epiphany. Everything became so clear to you because you're six years into your marriage and you say, wait, this isn't what we signed up for. Like, when we got married, we didn't say six years from now, we hope to be distant from one another. We hope to be arguing and fighting over household chores. We, like, at no point did you ever think that. And there was this moment of resolve where you said, things have got to change. I got to change my attitude. 
We've, we've gotten this distance between us, and you went to your wife and you apologized and said, I want to make things different because we're writing a story, and if we continue to write this story, it's going to end in divorce, but this is not what either one of us wants. Today, things are changing. We're going to counseling. We're doing something differently. Have you ever had this moment where you drew a line in the sand, you stuck a stake in the ground, and you said, that's it. From this day forward, things will be forever different. I heard about these, these two guys who had this same moment in their life. Um, it, was, it was, that's it, I'm fed up. We are changing something today. They were, they were roommates and, um, and things were going terrible for them. And, and it all culminated on this one day where, where one of the guys, he, he worked for this limo company and he got into an accident on the job. And so he was fired from his job that day. Uh, another guy worked for a pet grooming company and it was his job to deliver some dogs to to a dog show, but he, he got them there late and they were dirty, so he got fired from his job. And they both show up in their apartment, their world falling down around them, and they had this moment of resolve. That's it! Things have got to change. And I could tell you what that moment was like for Harry and Lloyd, but I'd rather you take a look at it. Check this out. Where's the booze? I got robbed by a sweet old lady on a motorized cart. I didn't even see it coming. Oh. Harry. No. Harry. No. Come on, Harry. You're up. Gets worse, Lloyd. My parakeet, Petey. Huh? He's dead. Oh. Oh, man. I'm sorry, Harry. What happened? His head fell off. His head fell off? Yeah, he was pretty old. Oh, that's it. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. Yeah, have you ever had this moment, right, where you look around at your life and you say, that's it. I've had it with this dump. We got no food. We got no jobs. Our pets' heads are falling off. We've all been there, right? You've experienced that. Some of you multiple times, right? You need to check out your animals. But, um, but we've had these moments, and we've experienced this in our lives, this moment of resolve where we say things have got to be different moving forward. And, and this past month was really a moment of resolve for me, and, and I got a chance to experience some things that I come back to you different than, than when I left. Because earlier this year, um, it, was, it was pretty tough for me. Uh, earlier this year, I, I experienced this probably around February and March. Um, I, I felt like I was hitting a wall, right? Like I felt like I was just spinning my wheels and I was, I was frustrated as a leader. I was frustrated as a, as a dad and a husband. My, my temper was growing shorter. Um, and I, I really struggled with like low-key depression. Like I didn't see a counselor to diagnose me or anything like that, so I'm like self-diagnosing. Um, but I, I like was, was really depressed um, with uh, all sorts of things. But, but one of the things is that I, I found that my identity and value and self-worth was wrapped up in what I do. And I, I discovered that I like to control things a lot. And when things go beyond my control 
and when things don't go how I want them to, and when not everybody likes me, see I'm a person who I like to be liked, um, when things aren't going the way that I want them to or I'm not feeling that, um, I've, I've found, I found earlier this year that it really wrecked me and it put me in a bad place. Um, and uh, earlier this year, and there were, there were several times uh, where I talked to my wife, I think she, was, she thought I was joking, but I wasn't, um, where I just, I just went to her and I said, I think I need to quit. Like, like I was depressed, I mean, our church is, wasn't growing like, like I thought it would. Um, I, I felt like I wasn't a good enough leader um, because if I was a good enough leader, then more people would come and more people would like me. And um, I felt like I was giving my family scraps. Um, anybody else, same here? Yeah. You felt that way before? Yeah. And uh, several times I went to a legit, and I'm just being open with you, I said, I think I, think I should quit. Like I think, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I should be doing this anymore. Um, and uh, thankfully I didn't. Uh, but I knew that there was this time Thanks. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just being open with you. Maybe some of you are like, no, you should have quit. Um, keep that to yourself. I don't want to hear what you say. Um, but, but I knew this time was coming in, in July um, where I was going to get a chance to just stop and refresh and refuel. And so like Dave mentioned earlier, we went on vacation, which is great. By the way, you owe it to yourself to go on vacation. If you can't remember the last time you went on vacation, uh, that's why you're so stressed out, overwhelmed, and, and freaked out. Like, you need to go on vacation, go to an all-inclusive resort, save up for it, don't charge your vacation, but save up for it, pay for it in cash, and then when you get back all excited, you can thank me by sending my wife and I on a vacation. But, um, so we went on vacation, and then uh, we went on a family trip, and that was, that was great, and, and Dave mentioned vacation and family trips are two different things because family trip is work, right? But it was, it was great, we got to hang out with our kids. Uh, but two weeks ago, I went to the Crucible Project, and, um, Crucible Project is this retreat for men. They also have it for women now. Um, but it was life-changing for me. And they have them all over the country. Uh, the one I went to was in North Zulch, Texas. It was about two hours north of Houston. And uh, I had no idea what to expect when I went on that weekend. Uh, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know anything about the weekend. Uh, but the reason why I went is because two guys that I really admire and respect had gone. And they told me over and over again, you got to go to Crucible. you got to go to Crucible you got to go to Crucible. And so I booked it. And um, like I said, I went into the weekend not knowing anything, but I knew what I wanted to get from that weekend. So I wanted to become a better man. I wanted to become a better husband and father and, and a better leader for our church. And um, when I went to Crucible, uh, I explained it to my wife like this. Like, like when I came back, she said, so how was everything? What happened? What did you learn? And I told her, I said, I, I learned all the stuff about me that you already knew about me, <laughs> right? Um, I, I just realized it. And, and I discovered why I operate the way that I operate. I, I discovered why I feel the way that I feel at times. Um, I got to dig deep and better understand who I am um, and embrace that, but then also see what I need to do to work on that. And um, what I got to do that weekend is I got to tell the little boy inside of me, you matter. Yeah. You're important. Right. You're loved. Right. And, and you are good enough. Yeah. 
and, and so those were, I, I got a chance to confront some of the lies and the messages and the beliefs that I had just playing in my head ever since I was a kid. And I got a chance to, to really confront that. And, and, and I'll let you know the person who sits before you now is a completely different person than the person that you knew before in a good way. And I'm not gonna sit up here and tell you all the ways that I've changed. Uh, really what I wanna do is I just wanna live it out and I want you to see it. Uh, but I've, I've come back uh, better understanding who I am and, and better than I was. And so I just wanna let you know, if you're a guy uh, in here or, or you're a girl in here, which is everyone, um, you gotta go to Crucible. You gotta go to Crucible. If you're like, what happens? I, I can't tell you what happens at Crucible. You just gotta go and experience it. But if you trust me, if you believe what I'm saying, I'm telling you, your life will forever be transformed. Um, so I hope I've made it clear enough. You gotta go to Crucible. Uh, and then last week, like Dave mentioned, we went to Crossroads uh, in Cincinnati. And Crossroads is the third fastest growing church in America. Uh, they have 50,000 people over 13 different campuses. And uh, it was really great for us to go and experience just kind of what they have going on and what they're doing and learn from them. And we went there really to see some things we had never seen before so that we can do some things we've never done before. And uh, we also went there because I, I just believe that, that we're in a place right now, in the past almost five years we've been in existence as a church, we're in a place right now where God has been calling us to become greater. God has been calling us to be more on mission, to reach more people, to do more. And so we went to Crossroads to figure out how do we go to the next level? And so I'm excited about the things that we learned and I'm excited about some of the things that we're bringing back. And we went there not to make this church that church because we're unique, but we went there to see how do we as a church together rise up and go to the next level in our own lives, but also in what God has called us to do as a church. And so I'm excited to be back and I'm excited to lead us um, as we continue in the direction God has called us, but to a whole new level. Are y'all ready for that? I hope so. And if you'll let me lead you, I will. But. This past month has really been a moment of resolve for me where I've just said, that's it, enough is enough. Things have got to change. And um, what's interesting to me is there's a guy in the, in the Old Testament who made this, this same, who had the same moment of resolve. Uh, it's this guy named Joshua. And, and by the way, before I go any further, uh, that's the title for my sermon, I Resolve. I resolve. Would you take a moment to write that down in the, in the notes section of whatever, whatever it is you're using to take notes, if it's pen and paper in your phone? I resolve. And, and here's one of the things that I've resolved to do, too, since I came back. I've resolved to preach no more than 30 to 35 minutes, right? Because if you go back and you look at our podcast, you'll see I talk for 40, 45, 50, 55 minutes, and we say on the sign out there that we end at 11.15 and we've been lying to you so long because I talk so, so much. So I look back, I said, there's no reason I need to talk that long. And so one of the things I resolved to do is to preach no more than 30 to 35 minutes and I got 20 minutes left. So here we go. I told him, look back there. I told him, I said, give me, give me my time on a big clock back there so that I don't go over, and if I go over, it turns red and lets me know. They told me my time before, but it was a real little clock, and I just ignored it. I can't ignore this. And here's what I don't want you to do now that I let you in on that. Don't start looking back there. Be like, how much more time does he have? No, just stay with me, and I hope I, hope I, can, I can intrigue you. But, but, but like I said, this guy named Joshua, 
had this moment of resolve. That's all you're going to do now. You're going to look back there every five minutes. How much longer does he have? Uh, but I resolved 30 to 35 minutes. But this guy named Joshua had this moment where he stood before the nation of Israel and he said, today I resolved to do something. And he challenged them with, with a challenge. And I want to tell you about that challenge he gave to the nation of Israel 3,500 years ago. And I want to give you that same challenge today. I want to ask you today to resolve to do what they did 3,500 years ago, but to resolve to do it in your life here and now. My hope and my prayer today at the end of the sermon is that you would look back on today and say, this was the day everything changed for me. Would you pray with me? God, I pray that today you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear from you. God, there's some crap in our lives that we've been hiding, some stuff we've been stuffing away, some stuff we've been ignoring. God, there's other things we've been serving other than you. There's other priorities that we have. And for some of us, man, yeah, we call ourselves Christians, but our lives doesn't look anything like it. So God, today, I pray would be the day that we cut the crap, stop playing games, and get real with you and with ourselves. Open up our hearts and minds to do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, in, in, um, in the Old Testament, Joshua gives the nation of Israel this moment to, to resolve to do something. Uh, but before he does that, he reminds them of their story. And if you're familiar with the Old Testament or, or if you've read any parts of the Bible, what you'll notice is that um, over and over again, this story is told. Like, it, it's often told by different people, but often to the same audience. And the Bible would actually be a shorter book, a, a shorter collection of books, if the story wasn't told so often. But so often, this story is told over and over again, many times to the same people. And the reason why it's told over and over again is to serve as a reminder to the people who are listening. See, the communicator of the story is always trying to remind the people of Israel, hey, remember how faithful God was in the past. And the idea is, if God was faithful in the past, he'll be faithful even now in what you're going through. Remember that if God did it then, he'll do it again. Remember how close you felt to God back then, and even though you feel distant now, just know God is still close to you in this moment. This story is told over and over again to remind the people of Israel you were loved then, and even though you don't feel it, you are loved now. So don't forget that. And Joshua reminds the people of Israel their story yet again. Joshua 24, verse 2, it says, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. This is really important. Let me press pause here. Because he's telling the people of Israel, long ago, your ancestors lived in a certain place and they worshipped other gods. The reason why Joshua tells them this is because the people of Israel are in this same spot here and now. They're worshiping other gods. How many of you know that sometimes the cycle in a family doesn't get broken until you take a moment to resolve to be different? See, right now, some of you are struggling with the same alcoholism that your father struggled with, that your grandfather struggled with, and that will not change until you draw a line in the sand, drive a stake in the ground, and say, I resolve to live differently. No more will the bottle get the best of me because it's been wreaking havoc in my family for generations, but not today. No longer. For some of you, you're living out this cycle of, 
I'm the first person to graduate from high school in my family because I resolved to change some things. I'm the first person in my family to go to college because I resolved to change some things. See, so much of what we struggle with is passed down from generation to generation. He says, your, your ancestors used to worship these other gods and so are you now. I wonder if you're making an excuse right now for your anger because that's all I ever knew. That's how my dad was. I wonder if the debt that you're living in right now is just an excuse for that's how we grew up. We always knew debt. Everybody has a card payment. I wonder if there's anything that's been passed on to you that you've allowed yourself to become a victim of from this generational cycle, and it's time to say, enough is enough, no more. I will not continue the cycle. I will not pass this on to my kids. Today's the day. I resolve. As Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. This is nothing new. You're doing the same thing. But here's what God said. I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates, and I led him throughout Canaan, and I gave him many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country of Seir to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. So Jacob and his family went down to Egypt, and Joshua doesn't spend much time on this because the people of Israel already know this, and it's so, so painful for them for it to be brought up again. See, when, when Jacob goes down to Egypt, Pharaoh enslaves the people of Israel. And, and here's hundreds of thousands of people enslaved for hundreds of years in Egypt. They're, they're, they're no longer free. They're, they're trapped. They're in bondage. But Joshua says, then I sent Moses and Aaron. I afflicted the Egyptians by what I did there, and I brought you out. And remember when I rescued you? Remember when I set you free and redeemed you? When I brought your people out of Egypt, you came to the sea, and the Egyptians pursued them and chariots and horsemen as far as the Red Sea. This thing was pressing down on them. They, didn't find, they, they couldn't figure out a way to, to move on or break free, but they cried to the Lord for help. And he put darkness between you and the Egyptians. He brought the sea over them and covered them. You saw with your own eyes what I did to the Egyptians. I freed you. I rescued you. And then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought against you, but I gave them into your hands. I destroyed them from before you, and you took possession of their land. And then Balak, you remember Balak? Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, prepared to fight against Israel. He sent for Balaam, Balaam son of Beor, to put a curse on you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam, so he blessed you again and again. I delivered you out of his hand. And then you crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. Oh, Jericho. The citizens of Jericho fought against you, as did also the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hivites, and Jebusites. But I gave them into your hands. I delivered you. I sent the hornet ahead of you, which drove them out before you. Also the two Amorite kings, you did not do it with your own sword and bow. So I gave you a land on which you did not toil and cities you did not build, and you live in them and eat from the vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. Joshua takes a moment before he gets to this moment of resolve, and he says, remember all that God has done for you. Remember how he brought you from darkness into his wondrous light. 
Remember how he's given you victory. Remember how he's given you freedom. I need you to remember your story before I issue this challenge because your story will motivate you to move forward in the resolve you're about to make. And how many of you know this isn't about Israel anymore? It's about you. It's about me. Did you see your own story and the story of Israel? Can you just take a moment to remember all the ways that God has delivered you? All the ways that he's come through for you. All the blessing that he's given you. And there's some stuff you can't even think of because you don't even know when he showed up. There's some stuff God prevented from coming into your life because he knew you couldn't handle it. And we have no idea. And listen, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not sure about this whole God thing, if you take a moment to look back, there's some time, you should have been dead, but you're here. And I want to let you know that wasn't serendipity, that wasn't coincidence, but that was God showing up in your life. And you've been through some hard stuff, same here. You've been through some difficulties, same here. But you're still here. You're still standing. And it's only by the grace of God that we're here. See, we've got to remember our story. And even if you say, I can't think of one good thing God has done for me in my life, can I just tell you one? that if he never did anything else in your life, this is all that matters. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have eternal life. If God didn't do anything else for you, the fact that he sent his one and only son who said, I love you this much, and allowed himself to be nailed to a cross, beaten, whipped, allowed himself to be sacrificed for you. If God didn't do anything else for you, that is enough. Let me ask you, Christian, have you forgotten the grace of God in the cross? Have you gotten used to God's grace that you're looking for the next thing? May we never forget the grace of God and how he loves us, how he poured out his love for us, how he redeemed us, and how he's called us to a life greater than anything we could ever imagine through his son, Jesus. See, you gotta remember your story. You gotta remember God's past faithfulness and all that he's done for you before you make this moment of resolve. Let me give you three, three reasons why we gotta remember our story. The first is feelings fade. The second is life circumstances alter. And the third is life is bigger than a moment. You got to remember your story because feelings fade. And I've seen this throughout my career in ministry. Jesus even said that this would happen in the scripture, so it doesn't surprise me anymore. It used to surprise me. I used to be like, wait, what's going on? But here's what happens. Somebody will, will come to church. Someone will come to faith in Jesus, and their life is a wreck, and then they meet Jesus. They come into this place, this environment, this atmosphere, and they say, man, this is great. This is awesome. Everything is so great. They start following Jesus. They even get baptized. They believe that Jesus is the savior of their soul. They're saying, I want to make him the leader of my life. But then three months later, six months later, a year later, those feelings that they had fade, and so do they. And then we start having questions like, and conversations like, hey, whatever happened to so-and-so? Man, they were so passionate. They were so on fire. They were so excited. Whatever happened to, I'll tell you when the feelings fade, so did they. See, the, real, the, the, the reason why our feelings fade in our life is because God wants us to graduate from feelings to faith. 
God wants us to, to live for something more because the feelings won't get you through. When the feelings fail, he, he wants to know, will you stand firm even when you don't feel it? Will you stay strong? Will you stay dedicated even when things aren't going your way? See, feelings fade, and we got to graduate from feelings to faith. The way we do that is to remember our story. The, the, the second is this. we got to remember our story because life circumstances change. Things may be great now, and you can praise God, but when things crash and burn, can you still praise Him? When you remember your story, you can. You can stand firm. You gotta remember your story and all that God has done for you and just how good he is so that when life circumstances change, you will be able to stand strong. And so listen, I know that God is good now that you got the job, but is he still good when you don't have the job? I know God is faithful when you got a boyfriend because you've been praying and I've been faithful and I've been following God and I'm finally with somebody. But is God still faithful when you break up? See, life circumstances alter. See, God, God was great and amazing when your marriage was hitting on all cylinders and he was a way maker then, but is he still a way maker now that the communication has seized up in your marriage? See, God was a priority in your life when you needed him most, but now that things are pretty good and he's intervened to make things better, is he still a priority for you or have you forgotten the hand from which your blessing came from? See, God was your all at first, but now that the job changed, the hours shifted, the hobby got introduced, the distance increased, the sickness came about, the new boyfriend came into the picture, the project at the house got started, the classes began, the baby was born. Let me ask you, is he still your all? Because when circumstances in life change, if you don't remember your story, then you'll shift your life to revolve around those things instead of revolving those things to be focused on God. We gotta remember our story because life circumstances change. And then finally, it's important to remember your story because you gotta remember that life is not about this moment. Because you may be stuck in a moment right now and if you live your life from that moment, there will be repercussions in the future. But you just gotta understand that this moment is not every moment. Because you've had moments of victory, you've had moments where you've come through, you've had moments of clarity. And even though you're in darkness now, you need to remember that what was true in the light is still true now. And let that shape and inform what you do here and now. See, so often we forget our story and we get stuck in a moment. I should do a whole sermon on that, stuck in a moment. And we could cover that song by you too. Stuck in a moment. Dave, remind me, I'm gonna text Bono and ask him if they'll come cover that. Remind me to do that, okay? Sometime next year we'll, we'll have them come cover that song for us. But sometimes we get stuck in a moment. So we gotta remember our story. We gotta come to this place when we remember our story where we say, listen, I won't always feel this glorious. I won't always feel this free. I won't always feel this victorious. But I am not a ship that is tossed about in the sea by the way that life is going. Instead, I'm a ship that is anchored to the rock-solid foundation of the truth of God because I remember my story and I remember how he's brought me through. And because of that, I resolve to be forever different and to follow him first and foremost. See, Joshua reminds the people of Israel of their story. 
And then he brings this challenge, this moment of resolve, Joshua 24, 14. He says, now, now that you've remembered where you've come from, now that you remember all that God has done in your life and through your life and what he longs to do with you, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But, but, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. Hey, but before you make your decision, I just want to let you know, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's what Joshua says to the people in front. He says, listen, you got to make a decision who you're going to serve. And I'll go first. I'll be the permission giver. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He stands in front of the people of Israel. He says, today is the day. Today is a day of resolve. Today is a day for you to draw a line in the sand, stick a stake in the ground, and choose who you're going to follow. But as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want to ask you this morning, whom will you serve? See, for the people of Israel 3,500 years ago, they had to choose between the one true living God and these wooden and, and metal statues of these different idols. That's not our choice today. We're not choosing between wooden and metal statues. We're choosing between God and, and other idols that we follow and worship. See, one of the idols, I'll just give you an example. One of the idols that many of us bow down to, forsaking God, is the idol of happiness. Can I just let you know that, that God is not concerned with your happiness? Right? God's number one priority is not that you're happy, but that you love him, that you're obedient to him, that you're faithful to him. And sometimes following God with this reckless abandon doesn't always mean you're going to be happy. But sometimes, man, we just sacrifice. But God just wants me to be happy. No, he wants you to be out of debt. But God just wants me to be happy. No, he wants you to be faithful to the person you're married to. But God just wants me to be happy. No, he wants you to be a person of integrity, someone who's going to keep your word and do what you say you're going to do. That's what he wants. But so often, God just wants me to be happy. I don't know where you read that. Maybe Second Hesitations, chapter 4, verse 3. But God is not concerned with your happiness. The founding fathers, their wish, their dream, their desire for you was that you would have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God says, no, I want you to have life to the full. I want you to have liberty from sin, and I want you to have a joy that's deeper than this moment, a joy that goes beyond your happiness. See, God actually calls us to something better than happiness, a joy that lasts even when we aren't happy. And there's all kinds of idols that we serve. There's all kinds of things that we bow down to. We bow down to uh, the idol of, of money. And so, so, so I guess it, it could be phrased like this, choose this day whom you'll serve, money or the Lord, happiness or the Lord, hobbies or the Lord, education or the Lord, a house or the Lord, being with someone or the Lord, your marriage or the Lord, your kids or the Lord, which will be front and center for you? And listen, those things aren't bad. Those are really great things. They're just not first things. 
here's what's interesting. Jesus said, when we put first things first, everything else will follow. Matthew 6, 33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so Joshua stood before the people of Israel and he said, choose this day whom you'll serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I wanna ask you this morning, whom will you serve? What will you serve? You know, um, a while ago, um, I got to hear my daughter uh, in the car. She was, she was singing the song. We sang it earlier, Wanna Be Like You. And um, she, was, she was singing that song, and my heart melted when I heard her singing this, right? And uh, yeah, you guys can come on up. I'm past my time by 42 seconds, so. <laughs> See? It's a, lot, it's a lot less than 45 or 50 minutes. But she was singing the song, I want to be like you. I want to be like you. And my heart melted because here's my six-year-old daughter singing the song to Jesus saying, I want to be like you. And that's what I want for her. I want her to be like Jesus in the way that she lives and loves. I overheard her the other day. She was dividing up the, the money that we gave her because we, we paid her for her work that week. And um, she said, first goes to God, second goes to save, Third goes to spend. Uh, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Every night before we go to bed, we pray as a family, and I love hearing my three-year-old son pray for all the things he's grateful for. He says, God, Mommy, Daddy, Grandma, Grandpa, Auntie, Unka Unka. That's what he calls his uncle, Unka Unka. Pray for dinosaurs, T-Rex, Stegosaurus, and a chicken, because we had chicken that night. But I love hearing my three-year-old son pray for all the things he's grateful for. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'll let you know, men, it's my job as the man of the house to lead my family in that. I wonder for you men, will you step up and say, as for me and my house, this isn't some dictatorship, I'm not some totalitarian ruler, but as for me and my house, I will lead the way in love. I will lead the way in forgiveness. I will lead the way in gratitude. I will lead the way. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I wonder, whom will you choose today? You know, for some of you, before you can even decide to say that, you need to decide to say yes to Jesus. You need to say, Jesus, I believe that you died for me on the cross. You rose again from the dead. And that's where I gotta start, following you as my leader. Thanks so much for listening. We pray God inspires, challenges, and motivates you to become greater through what you've just heard. Again, be sure to check us out at wearetherising.com. Remember, your best days are still ahead.